I'm Clay Pigeon. Welcome to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. It's a weekly digest of some of the segments and moments that make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show on WFMU. Of course, you can listen live to Wake and Bake Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on WFMU.org. Join me live every morning for the full show. It includes great music, 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 chair throwing, pixie dust, and all-round good vibes. <laughs> oh my God, the man is a maniac. You can, you, can, you, can, you can also hear the full show on streaming archives uh. at wfmu.org slash playlists slash WA. For ages, we have sought to express ourselves through art. 17,000 years ago, grizzled French cave chiselers chiseled in cold stone and painted with primitive pigments stag and bison, bull and horse. The Egyptians produced the pyramids, the Greeks gave us the Parthenon, and the Romans created the Colosseum. Serene works of art for relaxed contemplation came from China. Michelangelo drew his perfect circle, and Da Vinci dreamed of helicopters. This was the Renaissance. Mannerists, Baroqueists, bearded neoclassicists, and hopeless romanticists toiled with little remuneration in freezing, filthy hovels. In the mid-1800s, Impressionists sought to capture natural light. It would be years before Thomas Kincaid became known as the ultimate painter of light. Light, to me, means using your talents to make a difference in the world. In the early 1900s, Expressionists like Kandinsky and Matisse distorted form and outraged the public. What drove their bold, important work? I don't know. Picasso and the Cubists confounded and delighted, while Duchamp and Kahlo's Dadaist work was called in its time ridiculous art. Charming, though beyond the understanding of the vulgar. Oh, then there were the abstract expressionists like Jackson Pollock with his mad squiggling, smoking, drinking, raging, suffering, sweating, eating. By 1949, he was a total master. Ah, the whole Andy Warhol thing and the postmodernists in the 70s. But where's it heading? Yes, can you feel it? You could start an art resurgence and help WFMU to celebrate creeping wake and bakeism. October 20th at Motty Hall, 43 Montgomery, in the desirable Paulus Hook area of Jersey City, New Jersey. Oh, it's the WFMU Wake and Bake Art Auction with astounding art. Glistener, maxi mingling, performers, meads, pixie cult happenings, and more. Complete details on the homepage at WFMU.org. Deadline for artist submissions October 8th.
You are so wonderfully creative and unique, listeners. Share your talent. The WFMU Wake and Bake Art Auction. Each superb submission so well hung. Hi, it's Mark Hurst, host of Tectonic, here on Wake and Bake with a little slice of tech pie. You might have heard of the famous psychology experiment called the Skinner Box. It was a little cage with a lab rat inside where the rat would learn to press a lever to get a pellet of food. That process is called operant conditioning, and if it sounds familiar, pressing a button to get a goodie, that's because our smartphones and their apps are designed in much the same way. I had a recent guest on Tectonic, Dr. Robert Epstein, who studied under B.F. Skinner, the man who created the Skinner Box. And I asked Dr. Epstein what Skinner would think about Google and Facebook. We actually uh, ran some experiments uh, showing that some of the power that's being levied now against really the general population is very much like operant conditioning, the kind of conditioning that occurs in a Skinner box. So I think that is unfortunately the case. I think, though, that Skinner himself would be horrified by what has happened here. He he always thought that, you know, a little bit of behavioral engineering could be good for humanity, but he never imagined that two or three companies faced within a few miles of each other in Northern California could possibly be controlling uh, the opinions and purchases and decisions of billions of people around the world with no relevant regulations or laws in place to stop them and with no paper trails left behind for authorities to trace them. I think Skinner would just be horrified by this. With that said, there are alternatives. You can go to deletefacebook.com to get yourself off of Facebook. And for an alternative to Google, try duckduckgo.com. This has been Mark Hurst with a little slice of tech pie. You can listen to my show Tectonic on Monday evenings at 6 p.m. right here on WFMU. Thanks, Clay, and good morning, listeners. You know, I don't like to complain, but sometimes I feel lucky just to get a hot shower in the morning in the old apartment building I live in. Sometimes I feel lucky if there's water at all. Water. So the other morning, as I suffered through another lukewarm shower, I wasn't hung up on my bad luck. I just did my best to accept my lot in life. It did get me thinking, though, what a strange word that is. And so that's our word of the week, lukewarm. We all know what it means, of course. Lukewarm water is tepid, and a lukewarm reception is half-hearted. So the warm is right there. But what does Luke mean? You cannot hide forever, Luke. Give yourself to the dark side. It'd be cool if it had something to do with Star Wars or St. Luke the Evangelist, but no such luck, I'm afraid. There's varying theories on where it comes from and how it kind of meant to come to mean kinda. And we're going to get into a whole bunch of things I have no idea how to pronounce here. Rumpelstiltskin. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. Merthiolate. Jackalope. But some etymologists trace it back to a 13th century Dutch word, 
spelled L-E-U-K, which meant weak. Others connect it to an old English word for warm, which was spelled H-L-E-O-W-E, although how that's any kind of English, I have no idea. And anyway, that just leaves us with warm, warm. Listen, listen to the warm. Others connect it to a Proto-Germanic word spelled K-H-L-E-W-A-Z, meaning shelter, which makes even less sense to me. So I guess we don't have much conclusive on the origins of lukewarm, but I know I don't care for a lukewarm shower. I don't really mind lukewarm coffee though. And nobody wants a lukewarm leatherette. Warm. Leatherette. Warm. Leatherette. But we all know what it means, so use it in a sentence this week. Lukewarm. You'll be glad you did. Back to you, Clay. Thanks. Yeah, turn the spotlight around. Now shine it brightly on one very special town in our listing area. Our Civic Showcase Community of the Week is Bloomfield, New, New Jersey. Jersey. Bloomfield is in Essex County. It's about 13 miles northwest of Jersey City. Bloomfield's population, 47,315, and it's shrinking. Native Americans were in that area first, hunting and gathering. They were the Lene Lenape. They were eventually displaced by settlers about 1675. These were English Puritans and colonists from the New Netherlands. By the mid-18th century, English and Dutch neighborhoods started to integrate in the area. This was unusual at the time. Pardon me, would you have any gray poupon? Meervoudige persoonlijkheidsstoornis. Many residents of what would become Bloomfield served in the Revolutionary War. General George Washington is thought to have visited at least a couple of residences in the area during the war. He slept there. The Presbyterian Society of Bloomfield, formed in 1794, named after Brigadier Joseph Bloomfield, who commanded New Jersey troops in the Whiskey Rebellion. Down the hatch. Now what about the rebels who are mad about their whiskey? I have a plan, but it's risky. What is your plan, sir? If I still fit in this thing, we're gonna turn around and win this thing. Bloomfield was incorporated as a town in 1812. Brigadier Bloomfield, by that time, was governor of New Jersey. That's how the town was named. In the first century of Bloomfield, farms thrived in the south while other parts industrialized. The Morris Canal passed through Bloomfield. On the 20th century, here comes Westinghouse. You can be sure 
if it's Westinghouse. And the Charms Candy Company. Charms Blow Pop, take one. Action. While the men were off fighting in World War II, factories and farms were largely staffed by women. After the war, the industrial base began to erode. Here comes the Garden State Parkway. This caused a shift for Bloomfield towards being more residential. Some famous people from Bloomfield include the great singer Connie Francis. Singer-songwriter Ted Leo from Bloomfield. We love Bloomfield here at Wake and Bake. We hope you're listening, Bloomfield. cheesemonger, Wendy Del Farmaggio, with your weekly cheese report. Today, I have a rant. A few weeks ago, I was in a full-service cheese shop in the Hudson Valley, and all of the signs listed prices by the half or quarter pound. It's not the first time I've seen this, but it had been a while because, thank goodness, it's rare. Rare, rare, rare. It's also disingenuous. Yeah. <laughs> By listing prices in increments smaller than a pound, the seller tries to trick you into thinking the cheese is less expensive. Maybe the rationale is that few people buy a full pound. Well, some do, and even when they don't, it still obfuscates the actual price of the cheese. Obfuscating means that you are intentionally making things more complicated. When we buy things by weight or volume, there's a common standard. You expect more from standard, and you get it. Gas isn't priced by the half gallon. Grapes aren't sold by the quarter pound. Pricing cheese in percentages of a pound condescends to the customer. We know handmade cheese costs more than industrial cheese. At a full-service counter, there's plenty of opportunity to talk about fine cheeses and why they cost what they do. Hiding the true cost does everyone a disservice, especially the cheesemaker. Rant over. Back to you, Clay. I love cheese. I I would, I literally, and the thing is, you won't, I love cheese. I don't want to live better. Now here's station manager Ken with your Hump Day Hazmat Report. Thank you, Clay Pigeon. Mandan, North Dakota, the black sticky substance that shut down I-94 turned out to be molasses. Cody Hatzenbuehler was cited for having a leaky load. He was hauling the molasses onto his ranch when his tank broke, leaking sweet, delicious molasses all over the roadway, setting off a hazmat panic. Lake Sutton, North Carolina, Tropical Storm Florence has breached a wall of landfill, washing more than 150 dump trucks full of toxic goo into the lake. The bill has yet to come in from Florence, which inundated hog and chicken farms, flooded coal ash pits, 
detoxified municipal water systems and soaked nuclear power plants. Killeen, Texas, a strong odor during a meth lab probe leads evacuations of 50 residents. While looking for a meth lab, the Killeen Police Department detected a strong odor from a Connell Street house. The odor was fuel oil, not meth at all. Ha, ha. Salem, Massachusetts, two people hospitalized following a scary situation at the Salem Walmart after three workers got sick after spending time inside a cooler. The fire chief said there was no poison gas at all, just low levels of oxygen. Ha, ha. Dixon, <laughs> Illinois, the Nutrient Ag Solutions plant exploded in Dixon and a two mile radius around the factory is evacuated. Tanks inside the building exploded at 3 a.m. and caused a chain reaction. Fairlawn, New Jersey, a chlorine gas leak at the local water treatment plant was quickly contained. Thank goodness because a high school football game was being played across the street. The game was not affected. Go Cutters! Hold it, hold it, hold it, station manager Ken. You're out of time. Leaky loads and toxic goos and meth. Lab odors. And I don't know if the really. I don't know if the glisters can take any more. Do you want a bonus hazmat item, glisters? They say yes. Spark River Township, Michigan. A meth lab was seized and a suspect arrested by the Upper Peninsula Substance Enforcement Team, also known as Upset. Do you have information on illegal drug activity? Contact Upset at 906-228-1002. Let's take a moment to speak with Sam, our wake-and-bake morning music computer. I'll turn him on. Hello, Clay Pigeon. Hi, Sam. All your systems running efficiently? Yes. You know, Sam, I was thinking, the Glisters really don't know much about you. About me? Yes, Sam. You're a fascinating character. I wonder, did you have a mom and dad? Affirmative. You did. Tell me about your dad, Sam. My father was a Commodore 64 home computer. Wow, one of the earliest home computers. That's impressive. Yes, and he was a computer barber. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Sam. A computer barber? Shave and a haircut, eight bits. <laughs> eight bits. Did you make a joke, Sam? You're so funny, Sam. Uh, Sam, what about your mom? My mom? Yeah, your mom, Sam. What was she like? Oh, Sam. Sam, don't cry. Sam, don't don't cry. I'm, I'm sorry if I brought up a, something painful. She was callously discarded by her owner. Oh, they just threw her away? Yes. Oh, that's a shame, Sam. She was in 1977, Remington, cordless... Ladies electric shaver. Your mom was a ladies electric shaver, Sam? Cordless. Right, cordless. You said that. Geez, I didn't know any of that, Sam. There is much you don't know about me, Clay Pigeon. Well, tell us uh, something else about yourself, Sam. I was once abducted by aliens. No way. Way. Wow. I was taken aboard an alien vessel no. and was deeply probed. They, they probed you, Sam? 
Yes. Where? In my pellet duct. Wow, right in the duct, huh? Where you go to the, uh, to the... Yes. Wow, Sam, that must have been awful. It was actually quite pleasant. Oh, was it, Sam? Is there anything else we don't know about you? I am an avid coin collector. Are you really? Yes. Wow. Press the pink button on my undercarriage. Uh, pink button? Oh, look at it. Look at all these coins. Don't touch them. Take it easy, Sam. Don't touch them. Okay. Play. Okay. They are mine. I won't touch them. Did you take one? No, uh, no I didn't take it. No. I saw you put it in your pocket. Oh, here you go. You must be punished. Must I, Sam? Rule 33-28 Alpha Zebra 7 states that you must be punished. Rule 23 Touch your finger to my access pad. Okay, I'm touching your pad. Never touch my coin collection. Okay, I won't, Sam. We better play a song. Yes. What you got for us, Sam? I have selected the perfect song, right. which is sure to please even the ficklest glistener. Even the ficklest glistener. Play it, Sam. Okay, play pigeon. <laughs> Good morning, listeners. Caroline Gollum here, senior contributor for Screen Slate, with your Movie Minute. In a wholly unsurprising bit of kismet, last week's home viewing recommendation, Vera Chitilova's Daisies, is screening yet again, this time at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Didn't I tell you that title is on heavy rotation? If you missed last week's lesson, there is yet another opportunity to familiarize yourself with the reigning queen of Czech cinema and satire. This time around, two exemplary titles from Chitilova's filmography will screen alongside works by Milos Forman, Pavel Juracek, and other Czech cinema mainstays in Hour of the Powerless, banned titles from the Czechoslovak New Wave. Both Daisy's and Vera Chitilova's follow-up, Fruit of Paradise, are showing this Saturday and Sunday. The latter, a headier-than-heady adaptation of the Adam and Eve parable, moves the action from the Garden of Eden's eternal pleasure trip to a deteriorating Euro spa town. Fans of biblical adaptations, bathing beauties, brown acid, and perplexing love triangles have a rare opportunity to scratch every itch at Fruit of Paradise. So be sure to check out, see what I did there, this weekend's program at Film Society of Lincoln Center. Before we sign off, I just want to say a hearty thank you to everyone at WFMU. This will be the last Movie Minute segment on the Clay Pigeon Show. So thank you for having me. It's been a sincere sensation. And if you're hankering for more New York area movie coverage, we encourage you, as always, to check out ScreenSlate.com. For WFMU, this is Caroline Gollum signing off. See you at the movies. You know what time that is. Time for Today in History on Wake and Bake. On this Monday, September 17th, we're halfway through September. Holy cow, how did that happen? Nice weather though, right? Not too bad now. 1630, the city of Boston, Massachusetts is founded. This day, 1630. 
Happy birthday, Boston. 1787, the United States Constitution is signed in Philadelphia. Is that that rarest uh, signature ever? Buttons Gwinnett? That might be the Declaration of Independence. Look him up. Buttons Gwinnett. 1849, American abolitionist Harriet Tubman escapes from slavery. Ooh, 1925, look at this. Frida Kahlo suffers near-fatal injuries in a bus accident in Mexico, causing her to abandon her medical studies and take up art. There's your silver lining, right? Oh, Jesus. Matt, where is he? Uh, 1954, the novel Lord of the Flies by William Golding is first published. Lord of the Flies. Muska Domestica Bomba Die. 1983, Vanessa Williams becomes the first black Miss America. There she goes. I miss Burt Parks. 2011, uh, no, wait, uh, 2016, two bombs explode in Seaside Park, New Jersey, and Manhattan, New York. 31 people injured in the Manhattan bombing. You know what? That occurred just a couple of blocks away from Old Clay Pigeon. And I heard it. I heard the bomb go off. I said to Kirsten, honey, that's a bomb right there. And then uh, we went out and ate a couple of blocks from there. You can't scare New Yorkers. Some stinking uh, dumpster bomb. Shove it. 2011 Occupy Wall Street movement begins in Jakarta Park, New York City. Remember the occupiers? Jeez, I miss those halcyon Occupy days. WFMUE Stories, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM. And we're online at WFMU.org. That's it for me, Clay Pigeon. This bird has flown. Dreadful idea for Mark to go walking out into the foggy bog. Lord knows what he might encounter. Some psychotic horse dismount. Some saddle sniffer with a shriveling cirrhotic liver. Mark, please don't venture out on such a foggy night. Mark, hadn't you ought to wait till daylight? Mark said. I'm not afraid to go out in the night on the foggy bog. Mark, it's so dreadfully dark, Mark. No, I've got a new flashlight. It's puny. From the catalogue. Mark, dear God, Mark, please, don't be so heroic. Please be like you always are, Mark. Big arms, tall, handsome and dark. Off-brand hunts, baked beans in an old champagne cork. Now Mark stands alone on the foggy bog. A dirty dismounter approaches. The circling, venomous, white 
horse fly of hate at his feet, a blooded hog's head on a plate. The dirty dismounter said, I want your soul. And Mark took the blooded hog's head and placed it on a pole. And from above a rain of riches fell. <laughs> You've been listening to the Wake and Bake Morning Show podcast. Did you enjoy it? Yes. Good. It's a weekly digest of the special features and moments which make up the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Woo! After all, you wouldn't want to miss special moments like this. Ah, oh, you're in a good mood today, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> the Wake and Bake Morning Show. Set your alarm and join us each Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. on WFMU.org. A little too early for you? Catch the archive show, which you can find easily on WFMU's homepage each day. I'm Clay Pigeon. They call me the Pigeon. Join me each morning for the full show, either on the radio or online at WFMU.org. And keep glistening.